You are listening to episode number 67 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 67 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. My name is Gordon. Thank you so much for joining me today. And today I have a very important topic to talk to you about. And it's something that gets overlooked a lot. And I am surprised, honestly, at the amount of times that I'll have a conversation with someone and this topic will come up. And it's almost as if that person who is trying to build a business or build a brand hasn't really put any emphasis or time or energy or resources into making sure that this particular uh, thing has been addressed. And that thing is the importance of quality. Okay, that's it. The importance of quality in a product. Right. So it's this is specifically pertaining to people who are building a business. Um, and not necessarily a, f- a physical products business. It could be a service. It could be a digital product. It could be an app, something like that. Quality is kind of an all-encompassing thing. And any of the, those things that I just mentioned could be built or constructed or assembled or programmed with an emphasis on quality. Or they could be built or produced or programmed or whatever without an emphasis on quality. And the difference in the end result of something that's of quality as opposed to something that is not of quality is going to be a reflection back on the company 110%. Not enough people realize that. So here's the problem. Uh, It's 2017, and if you are in the brand building business building, physical products, app building world at all, if you're into like modern entrepreneurship and you're in that space and you're around those people a lot, one of the things that you've probably seen, if you've been on the internet at all, is that current and modern entrepreneurship tends to put a lot of focus on internet marketing, uh, social media marketing, social media influencers, Uh, advertising, things like that, driving internet traffic, driving traffic, driving eyeballs. And those are all great things. But I, well, let me back up. So in 20, it's 2017. And it seems like every time I go onto any social media platform, I am hit with multiple advertisements, paid ads, uh, to me, because I probably fall in someone's age range of 18 to 45 or something like that, and I'm a male and I'm interested in entrepreneurship. So boom, I'm a perfect target for this, right? And this ad is usually something for someone's course or someone's ebook or someone's webinar that they're undoubtedly going to uh, use as a, a way to funnel me into one of those aforementioned things like a course or an ebook. And every single one is about driving internet traffic. It's how these people, it always starts off with, this is how I made uh, $5 million in 12 months or 24 months driving internet traffic or something like that, or, or social media marketing. And all those things, you know, social media marketing is a, is a, a great thing for actually 
its original intended purpose, which is, which is to drive traffic, right? Marketing has always been marketing to drive traffic to a product. So that in itself is not bad. But here's the thing. So it's 2017. We're seeing a lot of this, getting all these ads. But the problem is there's no real emphasis on the actual product. So I'm confused. And I've started to hear a lot more people talk about this. And I am I'm, I'm, I'm confused. And I've been confused for a while when I see an ad for advertising. It's an advertisement for advertising. Right. And there's no, I see so much of this that it almost seems like entrepreneurs, quote unquote entrepreneurs, don't care about creating products anymore. They just care about creating ways to teach other people how to generate a system to make money off of something that they never actually have. It's really interesting to me. So, Like it kind of reminds me actually of that saying, those who can't teach, teach gym, right? Those who can't do teach and those who can't teach, teach gym. I think that's how it goes. And it's funny to me because I'm not, I'm not even putting these guys down because I really don't know what their backgrounds are, but it almost seems like they couldn't for whatever reason or didn't want to actually create a product to solve a problem, which is really what traditional entrepreneurship is all about. Instead, they're really good at helping actual entrepreneurs sell their thing by creating a system that will drive traffic to that product at some website or through some funnel or something. And I I don't know. I just, I see a huge gap. I see a ton of marketers and I see a ton of customers and I don't really see any product in the middle. And so I just, I found that to be really, really interesting. So the, the, the circle back around here on the podcast topic, which is quality, is that if you are great at marketing and you are great at creating a course to teach marketing, or if you have a live coaching program or something to teach marketing to people, that's great. But none of that matters None of that matters. Those are all good things, okay? None of that matters if the product that you're selling is not quality. There is not enough emphasis on making a killer quality product anymore. And it's a big problem. And as consumers, anybody can relate to the difference between a quality product and a non-quality product. Although sometimes... I must admit, I'm guilty of this too. In the past, there's this also this other element, which is which is branding. And branding has nothing to do with quality. Sometimes you can associate a brand's reputation with quality, but the branding itself really has nothing to do with quality. So let me give you a couple examples. These are examples that I have experienced in my past. So I am a musician. I've been a musician for since I was 11, so 21 years, and I played the guitar uh, from day one there, 21 years ago, and then I picked up the drums about 17 years ago, and the bass as well, and uh, played all of them pretty extensively, and I got really good at all of them, and uh, not sounding cocky, it's just it is what it is, you spend that much time doing something, you better be good at it, right? So, 
throughout that time, I was in a variety of bands, and I also began recording music both in my in-home studio and other people's studios, including professional studios. And if you have ever been in that situation, you'll know just how many microphones are available on the market. Tens of thousands of microphones, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of microphone manufacturers, and they all claim to be the best, okay? Uh, Even the ones that are extremely inexpensive, they claim to be the best. And the ones that cost $3,000 for a single microphone, they claim to be the best. Well, when you get into that world, and let's say, you know, like in my past, I had to go mic up a drum kit, an entire drum kit. Uh, that takes a lot of microphones and there's certain kinds you put on the snare drum, certain kinds you put on the kick drum, certain kinds overhead for the cymbals, right? So there's a lot of different varieties of microphone that you need. And, uh, in that world, you can buy an entire kit. A lot of companies sell kits and that kit would contain a full drum sets worth of microphones. And you can buy those kits for $5,000 or you can buy those kits for $200. So a $200 microphone kit could have one microphone for every single drum, right? Like a seven piece kit for 200 bucks. Well, I mean, that sounds like a great deal, obviously, but immediately it makes you question the quality. Well, I put those cheap mics to the test once and sure enough, you know, they kind of got the job done, but they were cheap. Well, the construction of the microphone case was cheap. The construction of the clips that it came with to mount to the drum was cheap. Uh, the construction of the windscreen was even cheap. Um, everything about it was cheap, which is what you would expect for that kind of money. Um, and on the other hand, you spend thousands and thousands of dollars, and I was able to access some of these expensive mics in a studio before, and everything is the complete opposite. They invested tons and tons and tons of money into making a really rugged mount, a really rugged uh, windscreen, a really rugged case, really rugged connector for the cable and everything, uh, which is also what you'd expect from something that price range. But what about in the middle, where most people live? Most people live in the middle. Um, You know, for $700, $800, you can get a full a full kit and that's a breaks down to about a hundred bucks per mic, right? Which is pretty average. Well, in that range, there are so many to choose from. So you go and do some testing like I did. And you know, what you find is that some of them are awesome and some of them really, really suck, right? So once you can identify good quality, well, then it comes down to some of the other things that you're all familiar with, which is like features and you know benefits of that particular one, and then ultimately branding. So what's the point of this example is that some of those companies that made a product in the middle price range that was pretty good, pretty decent, because I know that they also make one that's one-tenth of the price or one-fifth of the price, and it's so cheaply made, you can't even use it. Well, that tells me inherently, and I had to really think about this to understand it, but that tells me that that company really just cares about money. I don't think they care about serving the audience so much because they're delivering a product that you can't really even use because it's a piece of crap, because it's so underpriced, they didn't put any money into actually making it usable. And as a result, That changes my perspective from a consumer, customer, and musician 
uh, standpoint, that changes my perspective of that that brand. Like not just the company, but the brand, right? The name, the logo, everything around it. It changed my perspective on them completely. All because they even offer a complete crap product, right? So I, I had to really think about this to understand that that's why I don't own any microphones by that brand. I own a lot of microphones from a lot of different brands. And there's one right there that I don't and I will never buy one just because I know what kind of levels that they will they've reduced themselves to in order to generate sales when they would be way better off producing sales at the mid-range level or higher and putting a lot of emphasis on quality in that range so i started thinking about this a little bit more and i noticed that this happened to me in other areas and one of them is nutritional supplements so this is kind of a tricky one because nutritional supplements sometimes are something you can't really measure the progress of and it's hard to like really put a number, like a metric on how well they're working, things like that. Uh, but what you can be absolutely assured of when you try to consider the quality of a nutritional supplement like a powder, like a uh, amino acid powder or uh a creatine powder or a protein powder or something is the consistency of the product when you open up the bottle, right? So there's plenty of manufacturers out there that don't put emphasis on quality in their manufacturing. So they don't process the powder as well because they probably don't have a lot of control over it or any control over it for that matter. I mean, maybe they get these things, these powders processed overseas and uh, they're not really, they don't have a, a requirements, you know, document or whatever in place to make sure that it gets um, like filtered down and, and cut down to a certain uh, grain size or granularity size or whatever. And then they may or may not have humidity controls to make sure that it doesn't clump up and collect moisture. And they probably don't use as strong of a, of a desiccant in the bottle to make sure that moisture doesn't doesn't permeate the bottle seal and uh those are the products that i've experienced those, those are the the product problems i've experienced which is i'll like buy a, a few bottles of something every couple months and uh sometimes they mix really well and they taste great other times they don't mix very well because they're they're clumpy and they're not they're not cut down as finely or they're not filtered as well or the desiccant inside isn't working or there is no desiccant. And these are things that stick with me, right? These are the things I notice. It's quality, it's consistency, and that's quality and consistency. And, and that will completely ruin a brand. And I've seen it happen and I've been part of one just because I've seen firsthand the quality or lack thereof in a product, a nutritional supplement product. And so that has caused me to stop buying that particular brand. And then I start seeing uh, in the fitness community, other people, not just not buying it, but also talking badly about the brand and their lack of quality and the lack of care that they have for their customers. And that's just what happens. That's what happens. And it all kind of starts with, I mean, maybe there were some ways they could have saved it, uh, but it starts with putting quality products on the market instead of garbage. When you put garbage on the market, you're going to generate some sales and then you're going to generate some heat 
from the people who bought the product and was very dissatisfied by it. Um, so, but it doesn't have to be a physical product. Okay, quality control, like I said earlier, can also be applied heavily in the world of apps and business programs, applications. Uh, just take so for email clients as an example. Uh, we all have email, all of us, and any phone you buy, whether it's an Android, whether it's an iPhone, whatever, it comes stock with some kind of mail client. So I have an iPhone. I use an iPhone 7, and it comes stock with a mail client. And the mail client's decent. Um, I really don't have any major complaints about it, right? But I don't think it's really all that extraordinary. So I went out and I downloaded a couple other mail clients and I'm not going to list them all off here, but I downloaded several of them and I could tell right away the ones that were clunky and, uh, they definitely weren't optimized for my phone. So they didn't have the, they didn't have patches that reflected the latest iOS patches and, uh, just the, the emphasis on quality in the organization of the folder structure, the way that messages were incoming and outgoing uh, just wasn't there, right? The, the quality was definitely not there. And what I ended up doing was finding an app called Spark. And I had never heard of it, uh, but I found it. And this is something that has caused me, because I like it so much, it's a great uh, email app. And no, I'm not getting paid to say that. Uh, but it's a great email app, and what I have found myself doing is looking at other things that Spark makes. Um, and you know, I'm I'm curious to see what they do in the future because the way that they produced their email app was in a way that the the quality of the design and the quality of the execution of the code and everything, and even the 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 graphic you like the UI and everything. Is just so, uh, in my opinion, perfect. It's perfect for what it does. And I think it's of the highest quality possible that you could expect in something like an email client. And because of that, if they start, decided tomorrow that they would, that they, I think it was a free app, but if they decided tomorrow that they were going to charge money for it, like five bucks or something or 10 bucks, I'd buy it because I think it's worth it. Right. So I would be a customer. And I know that I'm not the only one, right? There's a huge fan base around that product. And that's, it's not because they're a huge brand and they have a ton of brand awareness and that they've, they've infiltrated the market and taken over in the email space. It's not that it's because they produce a quality product and that quality product is slowly building their brand recognition. I have never once seen an advertisement or a commercial or anything for spark email. And I'm pretty sure you haven't either because I'm pretty sure it doesn't exist, but where they do their best marketing is by producing a quality product where the best brands do the best marketing is by producing the best product the highest quality product and delivering that to the market and letting the audience speak for that, letting the audience be the advertisement, letting the audience become the marketers, right? So when you're building something for the first time or when you're, if you're, if you're branching out into a new brand or a new product line or something, uh, how can you tell that it's going to be quality? Because chances are, if you're listening to this, or if you're building a brand, or if you're building a, a business, a physical products business, or even in digital products uh, business, 
chances are some of what you're doing is being done overseas, um, meaning not in the U.S. So chances are you've hired a VA or you've hired a designer or you've hired some kind of creative or something, some supplier piece to your your infrastructure is from overseas. Well, you're not able to sit down at a desk and go over drawings and go over materials and uh, point things out face to face like you would normally be able to if the person was sitting next to you. So it's a lot harder to convey things over email, over Skype, whatever. So again, how can you tell quality? How can you emphasize quality with a supplier when you are in that situation? Well, I've been through it multiple times and I'm pretty sure the only way to actually do that is four things. Patience, time, money, and testing. All of those things, right? But if you're building a business and you're building a brand, it's worth going through that effort to make sure that you are getting a quality product, okay? Patience, time, money, and testing. Those aren't necessarily in order, uh, but I guess they kind of are. And, and here's the thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to break down why I picked these, why, why I feel that this is kind of the, the blueprint for making sure that you're doing everything in your power to make sure you have a quality product coming out on the other side of the production line. And it starts with patience. Finding a supplier is just like finding a spouse. It's just like finding a significant other that you want to be in a long-term relationship with. Not a one-night stand. You don't want to hold hands at the movies and then go your separate ways. This is a long-term relationship and there are so many benefits to having a really, really solid, really good uh, supplier, business owner, relationship, a good positive relationship between those two parties. There's so many perks like pricing, uh, like uh, lead time increases, um, a lot of customization and flexibility in things that you can do and can't do. There's just so many perks. Imagine if you were a supplier and someone came to you and they were like, Hey, I want you to build this, you know, here's a check and that's it. And they were like straight to the point. They didn't you know, they didn't really care about you. They didn't really have any personability to them whatsoever. And they were just like, Hey, I'm going to buy 500 of these. I want them in black. Here you go. Well, what's the difference between that and someone who comes to you and says, Oh, hi, my name is whatever. And I own this business. I noticed that you guys make this product and I'm looking for a supplier. I would really love to sit down and have a conversation with you if you have time and see how maybe we can help each other out. I want to look at your product offering and I'm looking for something long term. Uh, I would love to just have this conversation and, and see what maybe you can offer and if we're a really good fit. Right? That's, a, that's a lot different right there, right off the bat. And then when you sit down and have that conversation, then some of those details get fleshed out, right? But you might have to do that 10, 20, 30, 50 times with 50 different suppliers before you find the one that you actually gel with, okay? But it doesn't even, it's, it doesn't even stop there, right? Out of those 50 sit-downs, 30 of them might go really well, okay? Now you've got 30 potential suppliers, so what do you do? Well, you're trying to build a brand. You know you want your brand to be quality. 
So you might order a sample from every single one. Okay, so my next item was time, right? Samples take time to produce typically, especially if you're doing anything custom, right? There's going to be some time variation on there. And in addition to patience to just to find a potential supplier and the time it takes to go through the process of getting samples, getting, uh, I won't even say prototypes, it's really just samples uh, at this point, it's also going to take money. Those samples are going to cost you money. Every single one of them is probably going to cost you money. And if you're overseas, you're also going to be paying um, all kinds of shipping costs, right? So, you know, you're at that stage where you're just cultivating this relationship and they're offering you a sample and you're paying for the sample. Then you have to wait for the sample. Then you get the sample. Now you've got all these samples. Now what? Now you need to test them all. So now you begin testing and you start making notes on every single sample of what is awesome about it and what sucks about it. And you start to decide what you really want your product to be. And that process can take additional time, obviously. And then what happens? Now you've got a list of products and these samples that you you absolutely hate, you despise. You think, no, there's no way I'd ever put my brand on this. So you immediately cut off a percentage of those potential suppliers. Then you have this other pile of potential suppliers that you like. And maybe you make an order of uh, from from like favorite to least favorite of you know which ones you'd prefer to do business with and you have all these reasons so then you go back to every single one and you start talking to every single one and begin negotiations and then you might want another round of samples with other customization chances are you will in fact you probably should and then you'll go and you'll wait after paying for those samples and you'll test them again and you'll make more notes then you'll go back again maybe with a smaller sample size of suppliers and you start whittling that down and you can kind of see now the iteration of getting from initial sit down to final prototype final sample right it's a long process it takes a ton of patience and it takes a lot of money typically um, and it takes a ton of testing and testing itself takes time. Testing itself takes patience, right? You're doing a bunch of things by going through this process. You're cultivating a supplier business relationship. You're cultivating a relationship between them and your brand, right? You're also deciding through test and iteration what you really want in your product and what defines quality and what really speaks the message of your product, uh, the message of your brand through your product. You're doing all those things, right? But all of that is in the name of getting a quality product on the output of this whole ordeal, right? So again, suppliers, how do you get quality out of it? Patience, time, money, and testing. And I cannot stress the importance of having an extremely strong supplier business owner relationship. That relationship is going to be just as important to you as a business owner, brand owner, as the relationship you have with your customers. Okay, having a relationship with your customers is so incredibly important. Every single one of them is so crucial to your business surviving. Right? They're the ones that trust in you to deliver a quality product. They're the ones that pay your bills. But they're not going to do that if your product sucks. It doesn't matter 
how awesome your customers are. They're customers, they're people, they're not stupid and you shouldn't treat them like that. So by having a crap product out there and trying to market the hell out of it and push them towards it is really kind of an asinine move, right? If you think about it, because how would you feel if you're a consumer and you get talked into buying something because the marketing was so great. So they sold you, right? They were able to bring you in. They were able to capture your attention. They were able to sell you something and it sucked. How would you feel? It's not like you just went into a catalog and arbitrarily picked something. No, you were targeted on Facebook or something with this advertisement and it made your, this product look really awesome. And so you, you got all jazzed up about it and you bought one. And you paid like, I don't know, it doesn't matter what you paid for it, 10 bucks, 100 bucks, 1,000 bucks, but you bought it, right? How would you feel after that if you got the product and it was junk? It's happened to most of us. Maybe not all of us, but it's happened to most of us. And it doesn't feel good. So why would you ever, and when I say you, I just, I mean business owners in general. Why would you ever go down that same road of producing a product that's okay at best, but pushing it so incredibly hard through social media and marketing and advertising, because I mean, what, what, what's the big advantage at the end of the day? I'll tell you what happens at the end of the day is that you lose your customer base and you build yourself a horrible reputation. It's just the way it is. And usually, unless you totally invest a ton of money into rebranding and kind of rebuilding from the ground up with some new talent or something, it's going to be the death of that business. It's just the way it goes. So to wrap this all up, never, ever skimp out on quality, right? The quality of your product is really the livelihood, like the lifeblood of your business. Your business will live and die by the quality of your product, regardless of how awesome you are or the people you hire at driving traffic, marketing, advertising, or whatever. If your website's awesome, but your product is crap, it won't be long before your business takes a hit as a result. <laughs>